Open with me to Philippians chapter 3. If you have a copy of God's Word or if you need to turn it on, Philippians chapter 3. We're continuing our series, Joyful, um, as we're on the home stretch of finishing out uh, the book of Philippians over these next few weeks. And uh, this will actually be our 19th week in the book of Philippians. It takes us about 25 to get through the whole thing. And so when we're done, we'll have journeyed verse by verse through this entire book, which is pretty exciting uh, for me personally. Philippians chapter 3, if you'll stand with me in honor of reading God's word. We're going to read verses 12 through 14. And then we're actually going to spend a good chunk of today back at verse 10. But we'll read that later. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12, God's word says this through Paul, Not that I have already reached the goal, or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it, because I have also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call, in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thanks again for the day, for the gathering of the local church, for a new year, a fresh start. God, uh, new habits are forming this year for so many people. And Father, I pray that one of those is a deeper, more personal relationship with the God of the universe through Jesus Christ. God, would you go before us today as we study your word together? Would your spirit speak in a very clear way to each one of us in this room? God, give us the ears that we need to hear from you this morning from your word. God, would you soften our hearts to the point that we need them to be softened so that we can understand what you've said to us. And Father, most of all, may we not just be hearers of the word, but may we be doers of the word as well. May we take the truth that we encounter today, the words that we hear from you this morning, and may we live these out the rest of our week as we pursue Jesus. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we're three days into this new year, and I've already heard some of you as you were coming in this morning saying, thank goodness 2020 is over, 2021 is here. And like most people, myself included, you're probably like most Americans where you made a resolution or a goal of some kind. It's actually kind of crazy that 75% of Americans will make some sort of a resolution heading into this new year. And most of the time, those are going to find themselves in one of six various categories. One category is health. I want to lose weight. I want to gain muscle. I want to eat better. Some people fall in the category of self-improvement, where maybe you want to read daily. I know a lot of people start a, a plan to read their Bible every day in 2021, or you want to start a new hobby, some hobby you want to take on. Many people have a New Year's resolution related to a career. You want to get a new job. You want to get a job promotion. Uh, One relating to money, meaning I want to make more money and spend less. Some people, their New Year's resolution centers around love. I want to find a significant other. I want to get engaged to that significant other. I want to marry that person. Or the last kind of resolution most people make is one surrounding family. I want to spend more time with my family. I want to travel with my spouse. I know a lot of people, maybe you're not a resolution type of person, but I am. I like fresh starts. I like new beginnings. I like uh, the opportunity to start over. So I made a resolution this year where I was going to write every single day in my prayer journal. I've prayer journaled for years, but I don't always write in it every day because I want to track God's activity in my life over 2021. So every day I'm going to be writing out prayers and writing out things I'm praying and how God is answering. That's my big goal this year. My second tier goal, if you know me, is I've decided I want to try to control the entire eastern U.S. seaboard of Little Debbie Christmas tree cakes. And thankfully, to so many of you, I am well on my way 
where I actually have like 25 boxes of Christmas tree cakes at my house right now. Side note, those don't expire for 18 months, so I've got a head start on next year. I live in extremes, if you can't tell. But what we all, in some capacity, we want to get better. We want to improve, whether that comes through goal setting or life changes. We all want to get better. But the problem is, is that 90% of people, 90% of the 75% of people that like to make goals are going to fail at those goals. That's encouraging, isn't it? Aren't you glad you came to church today? 90%, 9 out of 10, you're going to fail. One of my New Year's resolutions, this was kind of lower on the list, was to stop drinking soft drinks. I made it till 10.30 on January 1st, all right? We, we fail at that kind of stuff, and that's, that's okay. It's part of the process. Most of the time, though, what happens is, what do we do? We fall off the wagon, and we just give up. Friends, I want to give you a resolution today that I think is the most important one that we can each personally make as it relates to our, our walk with Jesus in 2021. And what's going to make this goal or this resolution or whatever you want to call this today different is unlike most goals you'll set this year, is this one is not dependent upon you, which is awesome. It's dependent upon Jesus. This goal is going to be grounded in something that you already are, something that is true about you, that you are a child of God, positionally in heaven with Jesus at the right hand of the Father right now, the Bible says. But you have to be willing to pursue that every day. What's interesting about this goal, too, is this goal is not going to be fully realized in this life. That's what's pretty wild about it. That as you pursue it, you're not going to reach completion of it until you get to heaven, Philippians 1.6 tells us. You see, this goal is going to be different, but what is the goal? What's our resolution? Philippians 3, look back at your Bible with me. Verses 10 and 11. Pastor Joe looked at these briefly about a month ago, and I want to revisit these in just a different form and fashion and relate them to verses 12 and, and 12 through 14. Look at what Paul says. My goal... My goal is what? My goal is to know him. That is Jesus. My goal is to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. My, my goal is to be conformed to his death, assuming that somehow I will reach resurrection from the dead. You see, friends, these truths we're going to look at here in just a moment, they're going to be a little bit repetitive. As I said, Joe covered these at about a, a seven-minute span last month. But I think it's important that we revisit these today in this new year and then see how they relate to verses 12 through 14. Let me catch us up if you haven't been with us in Philippians or you've forgotten up to this point. In Philippians 3, we introduced you to a group of people known as the Judaizers. They were a group of, of prominent religious people that had infiltrated the church that this letter was written to, the book of Philippians. And the Judaizers had tried to introduce this idea of what we called a Jesus plus something gospel. Meaning that they believed Jesus by himself, Jesus in and of himself, was insufficient to save you. And what they were pushing was that you needed to follow Jewish rule, Jewish tradition, and Jewish custom to be saved. Specifically, Paul calls them out for this idea that you had to be a Christ follower and also participate in the act of circumcision. And if you remember in the early part of Philippians chapter 3, we saw where Paul said, no, 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 that's not the case. It's not about your fleshly efforts. It's about what Jesus accomplished for you on the cross that saves you. And if you remember in Philippians chapter 3, Paul started to give kind of like his like rap sheet, his resume of everything that he had accomplished as a, a Jewish citizen, as a born by blood Jewish individual. 
And as Paul lists out all these incredible things that he's accomplished, things that were given to him because of where he was born and who he was born to, he says in the midst of all of those things, Jesus is better. Jesus accomplished everything for me. There is no greater treasure on the earth than knowing Jesus Christ. If you remember back in November, Joe really unpacked that for us in Philippians chapter 3. And we talked about that idea that the greatest treasure in the universe is Jesus. There's no fleshly effort that can compare. Nothing else can save you. Jesus is the greatest treasure of the universe. He's the greatest treasure I can ever take hold of. But then now as we see this kind of transfer take place, and Paul really ties it together in verses 12 through 14, he says, now that I know that Jesus is better, my fleshly efforts do not matter. He says, I want to show you what my life goal is. This is the thing that I pursue every day, Paul tells us. And I want to give you three pursuits today, three resolutions. I want you to write these in your Bible. I want you to put them in your prayer journal. I want you to hang them on a mirror at home, whatever this looks like for you, because these are that important. Three pursuits, real quick. First one is this. My pursuit number one this year needs to be to know him, know Jesus. We're going to explain that in a second. Pursuit number two needs to be to know the power of his resurrection. That's important. And pursuit number three is this, to know the fellowship of his suffering. Because Jesus is the loftiest pursuit in the universe. He's the greatest thing in the entire universe. Those are the three things I need to pursue. But how do I do that in 2021 this year? Let me explain them to you. I'm glad that you asked. Point number one, what does it mean to know him? To know him. Look at what he said again in verse 10. My goal is to know him. Think about this with me for a second. Every relationship that you have. So think of one right now. Maybe it be with your spouse, significant other of some kind, maybe a coworker, a friend, a relative. Some, some relationships you have. Think of one in your mind right now. When did that relationship start? Every relationship that we have has a starting point, doesn't it? There's no relationship that you currently have in your life that didn't have a starting point. Whether somebody introduced you, whether in some capacity uh, your paths intersected, every relationship has a starting point. So when Paul tells us in Philippians 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 10, that he wants to know Jesus, we have to first understand that every relationship has a beginning point. For Paul, that was Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9, as Paul was breathing threats down the, the church at the time, Jesus intersected his path on that Damascus road. The light shone around him, and Paul saw Jesus for the first time. His life was changed. He became a follower of Jesus Christ. So every premise that we're talking about today, to know Jesus, to know the powers of, of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, it starts on this premise that you know Jesus and that you've started a relationship with him. Every relationship has a starting point. When did your relationship with Jesus start? I know that is such an elementary question, but you would be shocked how many Christians can't answer it. Do you know that you just didn't stumble into a relationship with Jesus? It didn't happen by osmosis. You didn't wake up one day and it was just like, huh, I didn't even know I was a Christian, but I guess I am. It doesn't work that way. Every relationship has to have a beginning point. Uh, for me, I remember when I was 15 years old and I was in Philadelphia. You've probably heard this story a hundred times. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania had a mission trip at a camp. And I gave my life to Jesus, bowed my knee and gave my, my life to Jesus in 2003. If I'm remembering correctly, Pastor Joe, he was a, a little boy after watching a Billy Graham crusade on television. My wife, she was a young child, about four or five years old. She came to faith in Jesus and started a relationship with him after a conversation with her mom. 
You should be able to tell people when your relationship with Jesus started. If you're married in this room, nobody that's married in this room, if somebody comes up to you and says, so when did you get married? You're not going to go, I don't know. We've just always been married. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. Your marriage had a starting point, just like your, when did you meet your spouse? I don't know. We've just always been there together. That doesn't work that way. Every relationship has a starting point. Watch this too. Paul says in Philippians 3.10 that I want to I know him. I want to know Jesus. Joe talked about this briefly a few weeks ago. Um, that's a word that indicates closeness. There, there's an intimacy present there. There's a depth of relationship. And again, I, I don't want to oversimplify this for us, but this is so important. Do you know that you can know about someone and not know them? There's a difference there. We got a lot of Christians, especially my fear is heading into 2021, that we know a lot about Jesus, but we don't know him on an intimate, close, personal level. Hey, think about this. Who in here knows Hulk Hogan? Anybody? If you do, you should have told us sooner, okay? (laughs) Nobody knows, and nobody in this room knows Hulk Hogan, but I'm sure we know a lot about him. What colors does Hulk Hogan wear? Red and gold. We, we all know that. I'm sure if you saw a picture of him, or you could even draw his hairstyle that he's had. He got that long, flowing, mullet-looking thing kind of deal with this bandana that he always wore and his big handlebar mustache. We know a lot about Hulk Hogan. What's his famous catchphrase? Anybody know it off the top of your head? Hey, brother. <laughs> we know a lot about the guy. We can do that with any celebrity. We can do that with anybody. I remember seeing, I swear to this day, I was driving through Lebanon, Ohio, a town of 20,000 people. My wife was there, so I'm not making this up. And we saw Hulk Hogan driving through Lebanon, Ohio in a Dodge Ram. The thing was like bright yellow with like red stripes on it, big sticker in the back, had his big bear paw hand on the steering wheel. With That doesn't mean I know him. I know a lot about him, but I don't know Hulk Hogan. Friends, do you, do you really know Jesus today? That's a question I want each of us to ask. Have you, have you, does your relationship with him have a starting point? Can you take me back to a time or a place or a season where you said, you know what, I didn't know Jesus here, but I started a relationship with him here, and now I'm growing in that relationship with him. When did your relationship with Jesus start? So here's a question we have to ask. If you can't answer the question, how do we make that relationship happen? Romans chapter 10, turn there with me. Romans chapter 10, turn to the left in your Bible just a little bit. Two verses, very familiar to us this morning. Hey, P.S., if you didn't know this, if you ever get over the gospel, stop it. Sometimes we come to church, you're like, I've heard this before. This is the gospel. It's the greatest news in the universe. Never get over it. All right, never get over the gospel. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. How do I start a relationship with Jesus? Paul says this. If you confess with your mouth, confession is agreement about something. It's not just saying it. It means I agree with God about something. So I agree with my mouth, what? That Jesus is Lord. I'm going to talk about that in a second. And then what do I do? I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And then what happens? I will be saved. That's church word for a relationship with Jesus starts. You see, to start a relationship with Jesus, it means that I don't have to just know things about him. That is important. But I also have to believe those things about him. I can't just know. I have to believe. Knowing is where it begins, but belief is where it takes off. That's where the relationship starts. So what do I have to know and also believe and confess to Christ. Here they are. I have to believe and confess that he's Lord. 
That means he's the sovereign master of the universe. He's the boss of all things. He is who he claimed to be. Jesus is the boss. Lord means master. That's so important. You can't claim that Jesus is your Lord and then not submit to what he does. My goodness, Pastor Joe, we're going to preach this morning. we got too many Christians these days that say Jesus is my Lord and then just live how they want to live. It doesn't work that way. If Jesus is truly the Lord of your life, that means that you believe he's the sovereign master of you and that his way is the best way no matter what way you want to go. Jesus is Lord. What else do I have to believe? That he rose from the dead. Hey, key thing here, to rise from the dead, you have to die. Did you know that? So when Jesus died on the cross, it means he paid a sin debt that I owed to a holy God. We're all sinners. How do I know that? Have you ever sinned before? Yes means that you acknowledge it. No means that you just did. Congratulations. (laughs) So we're all in the same playing field here this morning. We're all sinners. And because we're sinners, we owe a debt to a holy God. God is not a sinner. He can't be in the presence of sin. God says in order to sin, sin for, for sin to be paid for, somebody has to die. That's the way it works. God sets the rules, not us. I couldn't die for my own sin, so Jesus did it for me. So I have to believe that Jesus did that, that he died. But here's the best part. He didn't just die and stay there. He came out of the grave. Why? Because he is the master of death. He is the master of life and death. Death cannot hold him down. So if I believe that he rose from the dead, I believe that he paid for my sin debt. And then on top of that, I believe that he secured my eternity because he defeated death. Friends, this is the greatest news in all the universe. And when you believe those things, know those things, and confess those things, the Bible says that your relationship with Jesus begins. Hey, here's what's really cool. If you couldn't answer my question three minutes ago, of when did, your, when did your relationship with Jesus start? Do you know right now in the quiet of your heart at the end of the service, whenever you do it, if you simply say, Jesus, I know that you're Lord. I know that you paid for my sin. And I know you secured my eternity. Thank you. That July, J- January 3rd, 2021 is when your relationship with Jesus started. That's awesome. That's incredible. Don't be ashamed of that. That's worth celebrating. The Bible says that angels in heaven rejoice over that. You know who else is going to rejoice? Me, Pastor Joe, this whole room. We're going to erupt because that's awesome. That's incredible. Whether you thought you were a Christian your whole life and you're just not sure, do it today. Eternity is a really long time to be wrong. My goodness. Now watch this. Every relationship. So when Paul says, I want to know Jesus, he's pointing us back to when that relationship started. But here's the second thing that's so important. Do you know that every relationship takes cultivation? It takes cultivation. It takes work. You know, I met my wife back in uh, 2009. Ohio University in Lancaster, Ohio. You probably didn't even know it was there. We were doing a little cornhole tournament for for the campus there, and she showed up. We talked on the phone before, and uh, I showed up in my dad's green F-150. Man, I had my little trucker hat on. I had my boots on. I'd stepped out of that car and she was just, she was done. Like she, was, she saw me and she's like, whoa, she started swooning. It was awesome. Here's what didn't happen that day. This is so important, friends, and I know this is just a goofy illustration. When I met her in that moment, I didn't walk up to Elizabeth and say, hello, my name is Aaron. You are now my wife. Goodbye. And not see her again. What happened? In that moment, when we met in that parking lot for the first time, a relationship was formed. And now, 12 years later, you know what's happened? Cultivation of the relationship. 
She went from a casual stranger to my very best friend because we've cultivated the relationship over time. How? Through shared experience, through conversation. We, we travel together. We go different places together. We, we're conversing all the time. There, there's shared interests that we have that help us get to know each other better. It takes cultivation in order to form a relationship. Friends, you may know Jesus this year, but when Paul says, I want to know him, he's also talking about cultivating a relationship with Christ. How do we do that? Again, I hope I'm not over, oversimplifying this today, but as Albert Einstein once said, if you can't explain it to a six-year-old, you don't really know it. My fear is a lot of Christians don't know how to do this stuff, and I want to make sure starting this year that we're all on the same page. How do I cultivate knowing Jesus? 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you want to turn there. God's Word says this through Paul again. He says, all Scripture is inspired. That word means God-breathed. It's breathed out by God. And, and what's its purpose? It's profitable. It means you and I need it. For what? To teach us, rebuke us, correct us, to train us. Why? So that we may be complete or mature, equipped for every good work. That means to live out the Christian life well. For some reason in God's sovereign plan, the God of the universe chose to reveal himself, the invisible God made visible through the person of Jesus. And the Bible is abundantly clear that if we want to get to know Jesus better, it's through this book. God could have wrote letters in the sky. The trees could have talked to us. The asphalt could have, every time you walked on it, you heard a new truth about God. God is holy. God is love. He could have done it anyway. I don't know how, why he did it this way, but this is how he did it. So we got to be in this book. And you know how that manifests itself, friends? That's why we emphasize this so much at Living Hope. We not only read the word, we sing the word. We sit under the preaching of the word. We pray the word, we journal the word, we get discipled in the word, we meditate on the word, we memorize the word, we do so many things with the word. It's not just reading the Bible, the, the swath of things that we can do with the scriptures is gigantic. Why do we do that? Not so we know more, I'm the smartest Christian at the church, I do it so I know Jesus. So here's our first pursuit this year, I want to know Jesus more. That's my resolution. I want to know Christ more. I want to walk more deeply with Jesus this year than I have in the previous 18 years. I've been walking with him. And my prayer has been this whole week that the same is true for you. Here's the second pursuit Paul gives us in verse 10. He says, not only I want to know him, but I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want, to, I want you to think about something with me for just a moment. And you maybe have never thought of this before. Maybe this is something you've never really pondered on before. If you know Jesus, meaning you have that personal relationship with him, you have that starting point with Christ, the Bible says that you have experienced resurrection. Just meditate on that thought for a second. If you know Jesus and you have a personal relationship with him, you have experienced resurrection. If you really ponder that for a minute, that's awesome. That Jesus interrupted your story, intersected your life, and you have been resurrected from the dead. Let me prove it to you. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and here's what he says. But God. If you didn't know, that's the greatest phrase in all of the scriptures. But God. Because typically before but God, something went wrong. Then God steps in. But God. But God. What happened? Who is rich in mercy because of his great love for, that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in our trespasses, you are saved by grace. 
Let's pause on these couple of verses for just a moment. So this idea that we can know Jesus is by God's mercy. Paul tells us there in verse 4. The reality that you and I as sinners can enter into a relationship with a holy God is fueled by the mercy of God and his love for you and I. Then he goes on in verse 5 and he says, here's what's amazing about it. You were dead in your trespasses. Your Bible might say, dead in your sins. As a human being, we saw this in our uh, You Asked For It series, you're asking for a friend um, when we talked about mental health. As human beings, you're, you're, you're two types of a being. You're the material world and you're the spiritual world. Materially, you're, you're flesh and bone. We all, we all know this. But spiritually, you have a soul dwelling inside of you. The Bible talks about in Genesis chapter 3 that when sin was introduced into the world, that the physical begins to decay. Your physical body begins to decay. The older you get, the more real this is. Uh, recently, every morning when I get out of bed, I just stand up and it's like, crick, crack, crick, crick. You know, your whole back just pops all over the place. Like, I didn't do this when I was 25. It's terrible. Right? The older you get, the more your body decays. But the Bible is also abundantly clear that because I'm not only material, but I'm also immaterial, I'm body and soul, the Bible teaches us that when I willfully and deliberately commit sin, then my soul dies. Immediately. It's not a slow decay. It's an immediate death. They're a little bit different. My soul experiences immediate death, eternally dead, separated from a holy God. And here's what's wild. The only hope for something that is dead is a resurrection. Something that is dead can do nothing for itself. It needs a resurrection. And I don't know about you. I googled it. I only know one person in all of history that has ever successfully pulled off a resurrection. And his name is Jesus. Andy Stanley once said this. I love this quote. He said, if a man can predict his own death and resurrection and then pull it off, I'm going to go with whatever that guy says. Jesus did it. He predicted it. And then he pulled it off. So the Bible says that in mercy, Ephesians 2, 4, that verse we just read, that when I confess these truths from Romans 10, that Jesus is Lord, I believe that he rose from the dead, that something amazing happens. Ephesians 2, 6, the next line in our Ephesians verses. Here's what he says. That he, that's Jesus, raises us up. In verse 5, we were dead. But then Jesus does the miraculous. The, the one who can resurrect, resurrects us. He raised us up. He resurrected us with him. And what's he do with us? Seats us with him in the heavens. That's pretty awesome. So Jesus resurrects my soul, restores life back to my soul. Pretty incredible in and of itself. And then the Bible says that I'm positionally placed in heaven. Meaning that when the holy God of the universe looks at me, he sees a soul that's renewed, restored, and completely forgiven. And a person, a Christian, who's already but not yet in heaven. It's one of like the most odd paradoxes in all the scriptures. But, but watch this. Just like knowing Jesus, understanding the power of his resurrection is not simply a one-time event. When you get saved, you're resurrected. That's huge. But understanding the resurrection power of Jesus takes cultivation. Hey, let me confess something to you today. I struggle with sin every day. Anybody else? This is church. You can, most people lie, but you can be honest in church. Man, Joe, I'm, you're going to get some angry emails. We all struggle with sin, Right? Some of y'all, if we followed you around for 35 minutes, we'd be like, Ooh, what's wrong with you? We all struggle with sin. 
But here's what's awesome. Here's the cultivation of understanding the power of the resurrection. Romans 8 says that when I get saved, the spirit of Jesus is put inside of me. That's incredible. Read the Old Testament. The spirit of God on the earth did some pretty bad things, pretty wild things. When We're not going to get into the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. Like God's presence on the earth was really, really wild in the Old Testament. But because of Jesus, God's presence is inside of me. That's pretty cool. We're, we don't have time for that today. But because the spirit is inside of me, the Spirit then enables me to battle sin day by day. Galatians 5, verse 16. Look at what it says right here. I say then, Paul's writing the church in Galatia, that you need to walk by the Spirit. You need to walk by the Spirit. And you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. What does this look like? To know the power of the, the resurrection. How do I cultivate this in my life? Jesus said in John 16, verse 18, that the Spirit in me, Romans chapter 8, should daily convict me of sin. That means if I'm doing things contrary to the word of God, that the spirit in me is going to tell me that. I'm going to feel conviction. I'm going to feel the weight of those terrible decisions. Hey, side note. If you don't feel conviction over sin, Jesus isn't in you. That's so important to understand today. We have way too many, and I've been there before, Christians living in unrepentant, habitual sin day by day. If you can do that with a clear conscience, it means the spirit of Jesus is probably not dwelling inside of you, convicting you of sin. Goodness. But watch this. If he is, put that sin to death. Kill it. And let Jesus resurrect you. You know, every day when I'm doing my prayer time, I pray, Jesus, show me any sin that I have that I have not confessed to you. And Father, I want to get rid of it today. And I want the top of my head to the bottom of my feet to be completely devoted to you the rest of today. That's walking in the power of the resurrection. It's this idea of killing sin and walking in obedience. Killing sin and living in the resurrected power of Jesus that I am not enslaved to my sin any longer. My trespasses no longer have a hold on me because Jesus defeated my sin on the cross. My second pursuit of 2021 is to know the power of his resurrection more. I want to be more like Jesus this year than I ever have before. I don't want to be defined by sin and struggle. I want to be defined by my Savior and his resurrection, defeating sin every day. Here's our third one and we're done. I want to know the, the fellowship of his suffering. If we're honest, we hear the word suffering and as Western Christians, we don't like that word. Because in our culture, we've been very insulated from suffering. 2020 freaked a lot of people out. Because we've been introduced to suffering more in 2020 than probably most of us in our entire lifetime. But I want to remind us of a couple things today. Um, if you experience suffering, it doesn't mean God hates you. If you experience suffering, it doesn't mean God is mad at you. If you experienced suffering this year... Uh, is part of living in a sin-drenched world. We've just been very insulated from it in where we live. And that's okay. That's a blessing from God. But when we experience it, don't run from it. Because the Bible's abundantly clear that God can sovereignly use suffering to mold and shape you and mold and shape me as Jesus' followers. That most things are refined by putting them in fire. That's how refining happens, is when it's exposed to fire. Now, here's the very last thing I want to remind us of, of suffering today, and then we'll look at this verse a little bit closer. Don't question God's goodness when you suffer. 
Right? If God's word is true and it says that he's good, he has good plans for you, that he loves you, good works prepared ahead of time, that you may walk in them, all of those things. When suffering and hardship and all those things, sadness come into your life, do not question God's goodness in the midst of the suffering. Run towards Jesus in pain, not from him. For some reason, and I do this often, I've had to check myself, and I'll share with this in a moment. So often this past year when I've experienced pain and heartache and challenging situations, what I would call suffering, if we could call it that, um, I, I have a tendency to run from Jesus in those things because they're foreign to me, right? Good God gives good things, doesn't he? But good God can use bad things to make me more like Jesus. Don't run from him, run to him in the midst of all of that pain and suffering. Hey, what if in 2021 when you begin to have pain, hardship, and struggle, Instead of running from Jesus, you saw it for an opportunity for deeper fellowship, like Paul talks about here in verse 10. To know Jesus more deeply, more intimately, to share in the fellowship of his suffering. The word know that Paul said in the beginning of verse 10 is very similar to the word fellowship. It's an idea communicated of a deep, intimate, personal relationship. Suffering produces closeness. If you're married in here, you could probably tell us stories where some of the most tense times in your marriage, some of the most challenging times in your marriage, when you get to the other side, you actually emerge closer to your spouse. When you walk through fire together, it's amazing how your relationship can be forged. We do the same thing with Jesus. Suffering produces closeness. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, I love this. Peter says, let those who suffer according to God's will. Did you see that? Man, we don't have time for that today, but suffer according to the will of God. That's very foreign to us. Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves. That's a willful decision to entrust yourself to who? To a faithful creator. He's still faithful in the midst of your hardship. God's always faithful. Entrust yourself to a faithful creator while doing what is good. Friends, when, when suffering and pain enter your life this year, hear me, it will. Just because 2020, that chapter closed, we're in this new year, like we think, oh, everything's going to be amazing. No, it's not. We live in a sin-drenched world led by sin-drenched people. Uh, things are not going to get better. Don't put your hope in a politician. Don't put your hope in a new year. Things are probably just going to keep getting worse. But if your hope is in heaven, it's okay. I don't live for this world. I live for the next world. I'm just a sojourner passing through, and I'm going to try to do what I can while I'm here and enjoy it as much as God allows me to. But if all of it's taken away tomorrow, that's okay, because we got Jesus, and we know him. It's okay. But what does Peter tell us? When suffering and pain enter your life, and it will, you have two options. You can run from or to God. From or to, that's it. When you run to him in suffering, that's what it means to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. If you run from him, you're just going to cause yourself more pain and heartache. Run to him. Run to the God who intimately knows suffering. Look to the cross. Jesus gets it. If you, if you wonder if he gets it, just look to the cross. I was thinking back this just a few days ago on, on 2020. And for me personally, this honestly has probably been the most challenging year that I've, I've faced in a long time. Pa pandemic stuff aside, that was annoying. I mean, just think of how we've had to pivot as a church. We just got the building, and they're like, shut it all down. Jerks. <laughs> you know, that was terrible. Uh, I, I think back, y'all remember when I chopped the front of my thumb off? That was the worst. You know, just, it's, it's annoying. It's, it's those little things. Maybe we won't call that suffering. I don't know. My basement and my house 
Fun fact, old house, I moved this week. None of you all helped me. I'm just kidding. I didn't want you to. At my old house that we just moved from, three times in four months, my my basement flooded. One time, sewer water. That's gross. And I didn't discover it until I was down there with a shop vac, church shop vac, by the way, so don't use it. (laughs) Shop vacing it up, and I didn't know that it was sewer water. Thank God for chemicals, right? And I'm shot backing it up. And I look about 10 feet that way to the floor drain, and I saw toilet paper coming up. And right as I did that, and I looked over, and I saw it. And in my brain, you know how, like, time stands still sometimes? (laughs) My wife's down there, and I'm just shot vacking, just trying to be a good husband, get things cleaned up. And I look over, and I saw the toilet paper come up from the drain. And I knew in that moment, like, oh, my gosh, I'm standing in in toilet water. (laughs) And God's honest truth, my wife was there, she can tell you. In that exact moment when I saw that, the shot back backfired. I know suffering. (laughs) I'm teasing. We moved into our new house. Had a radon kit installed. The guy wasn't in my house 15 minutes. Cut my main water line on accident. (laughs) What? This year, no joke. And I don't say this for pity. I'm just sharing with you that I understand what some of you go through. Um, I've had to spend just over $6,000 on car repairs. Uh, every time, and I'm not kidding. I, I can take you. I've taken it right over here to the mechanic. Every time I walk in, and they go, oh, hey, Aaron, good to see you again. No, it's not. <laughs> walk in, he's like, I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with my car. All these lights are going off, and it won't stop, and my associate pastor can't fix it, so I need you. And I walk in, and they begin, and they'll call me up. Hey, Aaron. Well, we've never seen this before, (laughs) every time. (laughs) And I just, every time I take my car to the mechanic in 2020, I knew it was going to be $1,200 or more. Just knew it. That's just the way that it was. I mean, and that's just literally just scratching the surface of just some of the stuff that it's just like has just been heaped on our family this year. I'll be honest with you, many times I ran from Jesus because it's frustrating. Why? God, this is annoying. I just want seven days of peace. But I'm reminded in Philippians chapter 3, and I tried to live this out better this year, to run to Christ in those moments. You know, when the guy cut my water line and the the City of Columbus guy showed up to turn it off, he's like, how did that even happen? I said, bro, it's a Thursday at my house. (laughs) Because you just kind of laugh and, you know, you just kind of talk. You're just like, Jesus knows what he's doing. He's the sovereign ruler of the universe. And friends, while I understand compared to what some of you have gone through, what you are going through, friends, and I I probably don't understand suffering the way that many people do, and that's okay. Um, But I want to understand the fellowship of Jesus' suffering when I experience these things. I want to run to the God that that understands suffering, right? That, that, That my stuff looks like small things compared to what he had to endure. I want to run to Jesus in my heartache, whether my suffering's this big or this big, it doesn't matter. I can still understand the fellowship of his sufferings by running to Jesus in those hard times. And so, friends, I just want to remind us, and Joe said this a few weeks ago, Jesus is so much better. The reason that I'm encouraging you this morning to pursue him on a deeper, more intimate level this year is because he's so much better. He's the ultimate goal of the Christian life. And Paul reminds us, we didn't really look at these verses today, but I think if you read them, you're going to see how they tie back to verses 10 and 11. Um, He says, I I haven't reached the goal, and I'm not perfect, 
Paul says, I'm pursuing those three things, but I know I'm not there yet. But he says, I'm going to continue to make effort. I'm going to continue to pursue those things. Why? Because I've been taken hold of by Jesus. Because Christ now holds my soul, I'm going to chase him with everything I have. I want to know him more. I want to know the power of his resurrection by killing sin in my life and growing into Christ's likeness. I want to understand the fellowship of his suffering by running to him in the ugly and the good because he's better. And friends, again, this isn't just preacher talk. I really believe this stuff, that when you go all in on Jesus, it's worth it. Listen to Paul's final words in verses 13 and 14, and as the praise team comes. He says, one thing I do, such a good verse, forgetting what is behind, right? Leaving the past things in the past, just leave them there. You're not there anymore. They're done. They're over with. Move on. I'm going to leave that behind. I'm going to reach forward to what is ahead. What's ahead? It's Jesus. Jesus is ahead. That's what I'm chasing. That's what I'm I'm moving towards, to know him, to know the powers of of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I'm going to chase Christ this year. We don't do this often at Living Hope, but as I was praying, as as we were singing in the beginning, I think that this is important. Um, We're going to open the altar today. We're going to start doing this more in the near because I, I did this a lot as a kid and it's some of the most powerful moments in the life of a church. We're going to start spending the end of, of some services occasionally praying intentionally to Jesus. I was talking to my friend before the service and he said, woke up this morning and Jesus told me I need to spend time at the altar today. He's like, y'all use an altar? I was like, actually, no. <laughs> but we need to. The altar is a, a sacred place where, where you can commune with God. For us, it's literally just the front of this stage. And you say, well, it's just the front of a stage. Yep. But there's something special that happens in the life of a Christian. Hear me. When I am willing to take a step towards Jesus publicly and and talk to him. I grew up in an environment where when you wanted to get saved, you came down in front of the church. Why did you do that? Because it was a willful step towards Jesus saying I'm going to step out of my comfort zone because Jesus is better and I want to know him more and deeper and more intimately. I simply want to open the altar today. Some of y'all, 2020 was terrible. I've walked with some of you in some of the junk you've been through. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you had to go through a lot of that stuff. And I'm not going to promise you that 2020 is going to be, 2021 is going to be any better. I don't know. But I can promise you that if you chase Jesus, it's worth it. And it will be better because you got Jesus. So I'm going to pray for us. And I'm, going to, I'm going to spend some time down here too. And I encourage you, if you want to, you're more than welcome to join me. But to just spend some time talking to the Lord. You can stand and sing. You can pray in your seat if you'd like to. But if you want to come down and pray, we'll be down here as well. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your goodness to us today. Thank you for the power of your word. God, your scripture says that it never returns void. And so, Father, I pray that we were faithful in explaining your word today. God, I pray that we would press reset on our lives. God, we say so often here at Living Hope that we're living in the middle of a miracle, that you're doing something special at our church and you're allowing us to be a part of it. We know that every move of God is always preceded in prayer. And so, God, would you keep us as a praying people? 
Would you keep us close to Jesus this year? Would we very intentionally pursue Christ in every aspect of our lives this year? Father, would you help us know you on a deeper level, Lord? Would you help us kill sin every day? Would you help us run to you in the bad times and even the good times, Lord? Because Jesus is better. Jesus is always better. Father, as we sing and as we pray, I just pray that it's a sweet sound through the corridors of heaven as we're chasing Jesus together. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray.